0: Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com.
1: Podcast like a boss.
0: And thank you for uh, for inviting me into your hotel room. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sounds saucy. Yeah, it, no, no it, worries. A little bit. Yeah. It's not every day that you get invited into someone's uh, private domain to conduct an interview with them, having never met them before. Sure. Um, and you know, I think it speaks to what you're about, which is connecting with people and and relating to people just on a human to human level. Yeah. With a kind of assumed trust and assumed rapport already built in. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So thank you for having yeah, me. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, being here. And we're we're both in London. Um, you yourself, you're from America. I'm from Australia, and we kind of cross paths in uh, in the Australian motherland.
1: Yes. <laughs> and the American. <laughs> and yeah, and I guess the American motherland yeah. as well.
0: Um, so what's brought you here? You're here for for a few workshops that you're running.
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, I did a talk through Alternatives UK on Wednesday night, which is a great nonprofit um, that they host a lot of speakers. They host a lot of incredible speakers. So uh, a woman who's affiliated with that group reached out to me when she um, knew I was coming to London and said, um, let me reach out to Alternatives to see if they'd want to make something work for you. And they were able to very last minute. So it was great and i'm doing a workshop tomorrow the talk was called let's talk about love which is what i tend to talk about a lot <laughs> um haven't tired of it yet and tomorrow the workshop is called fear not and it's just uh it's it's designed to really allow us to talk about our fears honestly and without some misguided assumption that there's the hope of becoming fearless because people don't really become fearless. We just learn how to work with our fears Mm. and move forward despite them and to have honest conversations with ourselves about what fears are holding us back really and what choices can we make to move forward.
0: Good afternoon good evening and good night to you my friends out there in the coming up next work and welcome to another installment another episode another ramble on the coming up next podcast with Alistair Marks. that is the voice that you are hearing coming into your ear holes right now and I have a very very special guest for you this week the man I'm speaking to on the show this week is currently running a workshop in NYC called Fear Not, and you can find out more information on that by visiting fearnotnyc.bpt.me. That's for any listeners out there in the New York City district. If this episode tickles something inside of you, which I have absolutely no doubt that it will, you can read more in his book, Just Love, which is available through his website, which is S C. O-double-T-S-T-A-B-I-L-E. You can find him on Facebook, which is how I became aware of this man and his wonderful, wonderful work. My guest this week on coming up next, Scott Stabile. And friends, if this is your first time tuning in, jump on iTunes punch in coming up next under the podcast section have a look through the list of episodes there's some wonderful wonderful guests and interviews in there and if you're feeling particularly saucy and loved up perhaps you'd like to leave a review and hit that magical subscribe button and without further plugging anything please put your feet up unless you're driving in which case keep your feet down and get ready to get all loved up with me and scott's to beal reasons that i that i was really excited about coming and talking to you on this show is because as many of the listeners out there will know so much of what i talk to people about is the idea of uh love kind of underpinning a lot of or if not all of what we do or in service of trying to establish connection and and how much uh fear is responsible for holding us back from really striving for what we want to achieve or or for uh for going after a connection or going after something that we really want in life uh and you know i've i've been following your stuff on on facebook for uh probably about two years now and and it's really you know it's really amazing the amount that just a simple little quote or a meme that can pop up in your timeline can do to shift your mood or shift your perspective um and so i'd really love to hear a little bit more about what this um this workshop that you do and that you've been going around europe um doing for the last little while is but before we get into that i'd love to sort of pick your brain a little bit about how you've arrived at this point and and what's kind of brought you into this uh, into this mode of mode of living where it really is just about spreading as much love as possible
1: i I think it's it's just that I've come to believe that love is the thing that makes me feel the best so when I'm operating from that place it's also the thing that I feel is it's the greatest power we have to affect positive change in ourselves and the world um i was i was introduced to love i guess in a different way in my 20s in the 90s i'm 45 now so it was about 20 years ago exactly i got a job at a new age gift shop in san francisco where i was living at the time mm-hmm. i had just come off a um my first job outside of college as a file clerk at a law firm thinking I might want to become an attorney and the job was miserable and everyone around me was miserable. And this isn't a statement on attorneys. This (laughs) is as much as my experience in the law firm and my first experience in the proper workforce. You know, I had worked through college and worked through high school, but this was like, I'm out of college. I'm in the workforce. I was wearing a tie and everyone was so unhappy and everyone was so anxious. And I became really unhappy and really anxious. And I quit the job after seven months, feeling like this cannot be my story in the workforce. Do you know what I mean? This is, this is craziness. Um, and, and really vowing to myself um, that I was not going to compromise my joy for work. And I've mostly stuck to that in that I've quit many, many jobs <laughs> really quickly, you know, um, and have been a bit, nomadic in in terms of career or just uncertain never I I didn't I wasn't really compelled to a specific career um and then I got a job at this new age gift store it was called Planet Weaver's Treasure Store and it was on the on in the Haight-Ashbury of San Francisco which was the old hippie district Summer of Love Grateful Dead Janis Joplin and this store was really a haven on hate street because the street was really dirty and grungy and everyone's trying to sell you drugs and whatever. And then you, you walk into planet weavers and it was like world music's playing and people are drumming in the corner and it smells like sandalwood and patchouli and nag champa. And you know, it's just, it's, it's totally new age and wonderful. And it was my first time encountering people, my soon to be co colleagues, coworkers, um, who had love as a goal you know they weren't their they weren't their career goals weren't they weren't concerned with that they were concerned with how can i become a more loving human being how can i become a more peaceful human being enlightenment was the goal and this was my first time really engaging with that mentality and really seeing that we can place that as a goal for life mm and then see how our life plays out to inform that. You know, I'm in ostensibly I'm a writer right now, I guess, you know, that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. Um but it feels so secondary <laughs> to me. You know, really what I feel like my I finally have connected. Most of my adult life I've had no real connection to what it is I want to do or knowing and that's caused me a lot of grief, you know, feeling like I don't have a destiny, or I don't know what my destiny is, and I'm not being productive, and all this stuff, all this nonsense. And I I guess more than ever, I feel like, and I don't even know if this is my destiny. I know what I want to do right now, and what feels great is make as much noise for love as you can make. Help people recognize that when they're acting from a place of love, of themselves and of others, that they stand a really great chance of transforming their lives in a really positive way and that who knows where that leads that's the thing I didn't know I would have a Facebook page with a lot of people following it and then you know do a Kickstarter campaign for a book and then do workshops and I didn't know that was the trajectory it would take I just trusted that if I um and again even as I'm hearing myself talk and like talking about trust and all it's not it's not all easy it's 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 a, there's struggle throughout and there's still feeling like you know I'm a failure I'm not doing anything with my you know there's 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 all those voices of fear and all the mental ego voices that come into play but in general I'm like I know if I focus on love that it's going to lead me someplace positive mm. and that's been my experience and that's continuing to be my experience and I'm liking where it's leading me so I can play in this world, you know. I can play in this world of writing memes, and I can play in this world of doing workshops. Like I find it fulfilling, um, so I'm going with it. So anyway, back to Planet Weavers. Is this too long? Of- no, no, this <laughs> okay. Is great. All right. uh, at the store, there was also a great book section, and it was my first. It was my introduction to new age self help spirituality books you know back in that day what was really popular was like the way of the peaceful warrior and mutant message and creative visualization in these books and uh, again it just opened me up like it to there's just a different way of approaching life that is not about how much money you make and we know all this and still at least in the states it's very easy to get and it's very easy to get sucked into You know, what are you doing for work, wanting to make good money, Mm. wanting to have nice things? I think that's a uh, um, Western sort of civilization
0: thing. I mean, probably there's probably a lot of Eastern communities that are all cultures that are like that as well. And I think uh, particularly, you know, the States, Australia, Britain, probably a lot of European cities where there is that kind of really... uh, structured and almost stoic kind of mentality where it's all about consuming and possession
1: yeah absolutely and i look i'm i'm not above it all at all you know but i it's that stuff is it continues to become a lot less important to me and i'm happy that that's the case even though i can get sucked into all of it you know um but just not as much as i used to you know so, mm. so, and, and so then my experience with people, my experience connecting with people through love is that it's, it's, it's just the, it's the best way to, to connect, you know, when I'm aligned with that energy, I feel good inside. And when I'm not aligned with that energy, typically something feels off. And so when I return, you know, when I fall off the love train and when I'm blaming and raging or whatever it else I'm doing, I'm doing, um, I don't feel good you know, and so I, I, that's just for me, one plus one equals two. It's like when I'm when I'm good there, when I'm in the space, because I feel like that's the vibration beyond all of the nonsense and all of the noise is this loving vibration, this peaceful vibration that is, that's, it's beneath it all, but it's always there. And when we're flowing there, um, We're in harmony in a different way, if that makes sense, Mm. you know, and, and it, it comes through in how we connect with people. It comes through in how we connect with ourselves. And that's where I want to be, you know, Mm. not because I'm like this totally selfless person, but because it feels good, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I like to feel this way. It feels good to be a good person.
0: And you want to have those frameworks in life where you can feel the more positive, the positive emotions I mean, positive and negative in itself is kind of a judgmental label, but where you're feeling, well, where you're feeling what you want to feel more often than you're feeling what you don't want to feel. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I think from my experience in order to have that awareness and have that kind of understanding and arrive at a space where you know what that is, you have to have experienced the opposite side of the coin as well. Sure. Uh, and in doing a bit of, uh, research about who you are and where you've come from uh, on your website, it's that uh, you, you've had quite, you had quite a, a, challenging and tragic kind of, I guess, upbringing, um, in, in, uh, I'm not sure how old you were or anything, but, um, it said that your parents were both shot. Yeah. Um, when I was 14. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. in the, they had a market in Detroit and they were, yeah, they were murdered. They were shot to death. Um, which is obviously profoundly traumatic mm. and um, and insane. And I was—I uh, do think that there's there's more appreciation for the good when you've experienced, you know, pain. And I think that you don't have to have had your parents shot to know pain. Mm. You know, if you're if you're an adult, you've known pain. Um, but I do think with, uh, you know, with what happened to my parents, I, if I, if I reflect on and I'm clear that, that who I am today is certainly greatly impacted by that experience and that I know I'm probably not even aware of the ways in which it's helped to form who I am. Mm. So I never look back on, on losing my parents as, I never look back on that with gratitude, you know, it's not something I can say I'm grateful for that not, that happened, but I can certainly recognize um, I I wouldn't be who I am today. I don't think I'd have the depth of compassion for others that I have today if I hadn't gone through that myself. Mm. I think that's one of the greatest gifts of pain is compassion If if, you know, because... It's allowing ourselves to be present in our own pain so that we can connect with others as they're going through their pain. And when we're able to do that with people, that's a powerful connection. You know, when we're able to sit with people and come from an empathetic place and not just a, I'm so sorry for you, as though what they're going through you couldn't possibly imagine. But, um, you know, be courageous enough to to sit in your own struggle so that you can imagine what they're going through as best you can. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, And I'm really, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm the youngest of seven kids. So a brother, I lost a brother many years ago as well, but um, I'm incredibly lucky to have been in a, a loving big family and to have siblings who are awesome and with whom I'm close And, uh, you know, to have an, uh, one aunt and uncle specifically who really also stepped in kind of in a parental role and to have support in that way, you know, but I think we integrate, I, I was, I I mentioned to you, uh, just before we started talking a podcast I've, I've come to love called On Being and, uh, a woman was on whose name I can't remember right now, but she, she's an, she's like an expert in ambiguous loss, which is basically, you know, people who lose people with like people who are, who disappear. And so they're gone or have been kidnapped, but there's never, you never really, there's never any sense of closure because you never really know that they died, but you know, they haven't been a part of your life for 10 years or 12 years. So there's this ambiguous state, but what she says, I just said the word closure, what what she brings up that I agree with so much. And I think is, is really important is I don't think there's ever closure to anything. Certainly not where grief is concerned. I think that we integrate our losses. We integrate our pain into our lives in whatever way we can. But I certainly haven't found closure with my parents' death. And it's been 31 years. And there are moments where I can mourn them. And I can, as though it's yesterday. Though that's not my everyday, you know, I'm not mourning it every day, but I recognize that that pain um, can surface at any time. And I think we just integrate our grief, we integrate our losses, we integrate, you know, the people we've who, who were important parts of our lives. Maybe it's just a breakup. I don't think we find closure there. I don't think I, I've totally shut the door to anyone I've loved in my life. You know, I think it's just about integration and moving on however we can make sense of moving on, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think that we, I think we do a disservice, I think in the spiritual world and in the personal development world, self-help, whatever you want to call it. And I also think I've been guilty of this in some of the things that I've written. Um, Even though I don't, it's not been my intention, I think we do a disservice by by suggesting to people that they should get to a cer- certain finish line in terms of their spirituality. Um, by suggesting to them that they should find closure or something's wrong with them. Because then people feel like there's something wrong with them. Like, <laughs> yeah. why am I not finding closure with my parents' death? What's wrong with me? Or why am I not finding closure with this, with this breakup You know, of the person I, th- I loved the most in my life? What's wrong with me? And maybe it's just about looking at it differently for some. Or, you know, I post memes. And 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 when I write things, I'm mostly writing for myself. You know, if I'm writing about, you know, bad attitude isn't, doesn't lead to a good life. It's a reminder to me that we have a choice about how we approach our lives. You know, we have a choice in how we choose to reflect on what's going on for us and if if the choice is always being in this bad attitude negative only seeing the negative we're not really serving ourselves at the same time you can you can write things in two sentences that i mean how much can that really speak to the human condition you know there are a lot of factors that play into why we think the way we do and why we perceive the world the way we do and um recognizing that each journey is unique and independent as much as we're also all human and we all have the same insecurities pretty much we have the same fears we're all starving for love we all want to love we all want to give love Mm. and when we cut away at the surface we can relate on those levels on those core levels so as much as our experiences are very unique the human experience is also pretty universal um you know, and I just try to speak to like general truths from where I come from and trust that it's going to resonate with who it resonates with. And it's not with, you know, with others. Mm. And
0: I think to your point, everyone defines things differently, but often simplicity, like a two sentence uh, image or an image with two sentences on it can really cut through and, and really speak to the truth of a matter or, or whatever it might be. And, and that's likely to resonate with someone. I mean, we are all unique and having our own experience of life and of the universe, as you say, but I also really believe that we're all, uh, we're all so connected and so similar, uh, in, in what we want or, How we're kind of approaching life, it's like we've all just got different words that mean the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: and I think again, with what you were saying about your parents, kind of going back to this, um, these workshops that you're running, it's not about getting to the top of the mountain and go, Why am I still afraid of heights? Mm -hmm. You know, it's about getting to the top of the mountain and go, Cool, now I know that this fear isn't so consuming.
1: Absolutely. And that's the whole thing with fear. I mean, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert has a great book out called Big Magic, and it's all about facing fear in the context of creativity specifically. And, uh, you know, she talks about whenever she has a new creative project, she has a, this is my interpretation of what she's saying, obviously, she has a conversation with fear because it always comes along for the ride you know there is no such thing as fearlessness really i mean in sociopaths i guess um but she has a conversation with fear and she's like look i know you're coming along for the ride you're welcome to um but you don't get to drive you're in the back seat and everything i've been doing in my past in these past few years has been provoking a lot of fear because i'm putting myself out there in a, in a more public way you know on the facebook page or whatever and in these workshops and it's Uh, I love connecting with people and I'm not terrified of public speaking, but it's, it makes me nervous. You know, it makes me, I'm, and, and putting my words out there makes me nervous. Um, And what I'm recognizing is that fear, it doesn't ever go away. Every new time I do, I do live broadcasts on Facebook all the time. I've done... Dozens and dozens and dozens, and every time before I push the go live button, I have butterflies in my stomach, and, and I'm not always talking about anything profound, or often not. I'm just like, hey everybody, what's going on? Checking mm. in. Here's what I wanted to, you know, mention today. um But what I realize is I'm in a place now where these fears that may have prevented me from pushing the go live button it's just not stopping me from doing what i want to do and then once you start to recognize your fear doesn't have to stop you from doing what you want to do and that it's not going to go away you start to understand that you can move forward with your fear you know what i mean the fear's there it's okay yeah just totally. keep doing keep moving forward and you'll see okay my fear is still there and you can start having different conversations with your fear what are some of your fears around I mean, a constant fear of being judged, you know, when, when every, you know, and through the Facebook page, when I did, I did a Kickstarter campaign for my book, Just Love, and it was successfully funded, which was great, but it provoked incredible um, fear around being judged, you know, as I think artists and healers have a, often have a really tough time attaching, any sort of monetary value to what they're doing, and with Kickstarter, which is a for those who don't know, is a crowdfunding platform where I'm basically like, okay, here's the book. I'm I'm putting out this coffee table art book, and you're asking people to support it. So they you you have different levels of support. It might be at twenty five dollars you get a card pack, at forty dollars you get the book. But you're putting something out there and you're asking for a monetary, you know, reward for it. And it provokes all, like, am I worth, the insecurity around feeling my worth, you know, the, and um, I think fear of the unknown is a constant fear in all of us. Every time the, you know, it's a new workshop or a new thing, it's like, how is this going to play out? Who's going to be there? How am I going to be? Um, I think fear of change, you know, and that's coming with, uh, that's again, I think these are things for everybody. Mm. And for me, if, if we're asking for me specifically, it's every new, every new project, you know, it started with just a Facebook page and then it went to the Kickstarter campaign and then it went to the, um, these workshops, you know, I have a book proposal in now for a new book. That's all personal essays. Um, and, and they're very personal, you know, in fear of how that will be received. All the same things that we're always thinking about. It's just I don't care enough about them anymore. <laughs> really, that's how I feel. I, I I would love to not have them because they're not fun necessarily, but I just don't care enough about my fear mm. anymore to let it stop me from doing these things.
0: So when you were working in uh, in in the the store in San Francisco in the in the nineties, and you're starting to feel a really deep sense of maybe purpose, or, or like there's something. Maybe there's some sort of mission or something at hand for you. Uh, there's there's a great quote on your website that says that um, at a certain point you decided that what you wanted to do with your life was to spread as much love as possible. Mm-hmm. And obviously, kind of making that decision in an egoless way is all well and good. But once you kind of come back into quote-unquote, reality, Right. uh, all of those fears and judgments are going to get kicked up. Certainly, I know that would happen for me. So, how did you kind of draw a line in the sand and go, you know what? No, this is something that I feel is really important and something
1: I'd like to pursue. The idea of love, making Mm. noise for love and spreading it. um, It's just the thing I feel most called to do. You know, and and... I'm figuring out ways to do it, you know, but that doesn't mean I think that people we are all called to do different things or not. And um, and I think that that doesn't mean you have to quit your job to do it. You know, I can I've I feel I've in different ways been making noise for love for many years through many different types of jobs and stuff. And uh, if you're if you're committed to doing something, you just do it in any way that you can. I think I'm I'm doing it in a more active way right now because I'm I guess for lack of a better word I'm building this brand mm. around love and making noise for love and just love and all that stuff. So it's more directly connected to what I'm what I'm also creating as a a career, I guess, you know. Um but it doesn't have to be, you know, I've worked at different jobs but still was trying to center in love and people, some people seem to think it's hokey and corny people still. It blows me away that people see love still as this airy fairy hokey thing. When I, I feel like all of us have countless examples. If we just sit with it and think about it of love being the most powerful force we've encountered in our lives in terms of the relationships we've had and in terms of so many things And if, um, you know, when you look at a world that is so committed, parts of a world that are so committed to violence and anger and division and how that gets us nowhere, nowhere positive, it gets us places, but they're all destructive places. And if we could just recognize, hey, there's this other option, you know, let's be kind to one another. Mm. Let's treat each other with compassion. You know, let's love one another. Let's look at each other through that lens and see what kind of shifts can be made and that's happening on a a broader scale too i don't think it's sexy i don't think it gets as much attention you know but there are there are a lot of people out there making noise for love in all different areas of the world you know what i feel like what you're doing with your podcast you're you're giving a voice to to that because creativity uh is 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 one of the tenets of love too mm. because we are that energy is within us in the same way that love we're born with creativity, we're born with love when we allow when we allow for deeper self love when we're loving ourselves more, we're creating more space for our creativity to blossom, you know when we treat our authenticity with conviction, when we start to say, Hey, I want to be who I am, I don't want to be who society wants me to be, I don't want to be who the advertisers want me to be." I don't want to be who my parents want me to be, who my friends want me to be. Who do I want to be? And when we reflect on those questions that sink us deeper in to the truth of our authenticity, creativity is, is a natural part of that exploration, I think. Mm. It just happens. And I don't mean that people have to write books or people have to make paintings. It's like, where does your creativity take you? You know, be curious, explore that, see where it leads you. It It will likely lead you to some cool places you mm. know that you may want to play with or not and that's fine too mm. the,
0: it's interesting it's something I was reading about uh, you know if you if you go into a classroom full of kids say five year old kids or seven year old kids and you ask them how many of them believe they are creative they'll all put their hands up but if you go into a room full of adults ask the same question you know you might get 20% of the people putting yeah. their hands up so so many grown people so many grown people believe themselves to not be creative and I, you know I speak to a lot of people about this sort of thing and you know it's it, it is it's it's the layers and the armor and the masks that we put on to protect ourselves that inhibit that creativity i feel uh, and you know, so much of, it's almost like, you know, in the beginning we're free, then when we start to have self-awareness, we, um, well, this is my experience anyway, armor up and put the layers on to try and find acceptance and try and find a place in the world and, and, um, you know, to get validation and to get love in the most effective way that, we know how and then you hit a certain point for me i I guess it was sort of mid to late 20s where it's like i'm not happy or i'm not satisfied and it's then becomes a process of going almost in the opposite way to try and find that not not childlike innocence but certainly childlike curiosity and childlike that uninhibited creativity that uninhibited love space where it's this is who i am and then it becomes not about getting love but it becomes about how can i give yeah. first first to myself and then to everyone else so yeah i'm not sure what what inspired <laughs> that little tangent it was beautiful in my mind. <laughs> i loved it <laughs> uh, but yeah i think i think to your point it's um creativity is it's almost like you know it's the playground for love Um, it's the imagination realized in a way and the more tapped in you are to I mean, it probably works it does work with fear as well but, you know, the more tapped in you are to your, I guess, sense of self-awareness or imagination the more creative you are Um, and, you know how have you found uh, well What do you think are the sort of most important elements to um, unlocking the, these
1: spaces of love? Well, I think commitment first and foremost. You know, I think that, that um, what we put our commitment behind, you know, and what we give our dedication to is, uh, It creates something, it creates results. I mean, I do believe there's that the equation of intention plus action equals change. That's been for me one of the most important, important equations to live by because I've seen it time and time again. I think that if you are, if you want to be more loving, then commit yourself to be more loving. And then with that, be aware of what the times when you're not being loving and rather than just what we do i think so often is we let our minds run away with the insanity you know we come up with reasons to blame instead of uh instead of reasons to forgive or take responsibility depending what you know depending on the circumstance it's like when you recognize those moments when you're not operating from the energy of love stop be present in that moment and look at it. And, uh, and, and we don't have to look at it with judgment. We don't have to condemn ourselves. But if we're speaking, if we're saying we want to be more loving, then we have to be aware of the times when we're not and, and put some energy into looking at what is it, what barrier, what wall right now is preventing me from operating from a place of love? And how can I go back to a place of love right now? Um, And this is the stuff that it's, it's invaluable and it's hard work and it's constant work because I don't believe our minds are invested in love. I believe our minds are invested in control. Our egos just want to stay in control and the more present we are in the energy of peace and love, the less power our egos have. So they're always going to be, this is my experience. I only speak from my experience. I don't really pretend to know. Like even <laughs> what I just said, yeah, yeah. that's how I feel. But it's like, can I scientifically prove that? No, not at all. Yeah. That's just my sense of how it works. Um, it makes sense to me. You know, my mind is always wanting control. So, so it's, it's always, awareness is, a, is, it's a full-time job you know, and then it's about deciding, but so it misery is a full-time job. I mean, if you're living and breathing, whatever choices you're making, that's what you're giving your energy to. So I don't believe I used to be more of Pollyanna and it wasn't real. I don't believe we can always be happy, nor do we need to be. That's not life. And I don't believe being miserable and negative all the time is real either. Um, I think there's a balance and a flow between all those things. Um, But I think it's there's value in giving at least as much energy, at least 50% of your energy to the positive aspects of a situation, if you're going to give 50% to all the negatives. you know I think there's great value when we're being self-abusive, when we're cutting ourselves down, when we're criticizing other people, to notice that when we can and interrupt that process and reflect on it. Like, what's going on for me right now? Why am I being compelled to be ugly and nasty and blameful and judgmental? Why am I doing this? And how can I shift back to the loving space? And also there's value in looking at how do I feel right now being blameful and nasty and ugly? How does that feel? The answer to that, I think, is almost always not good, Mm. (laughs) you know crappy um and how do i feel when i return to love how do i feel when i remember that that person who wronged me is also a human being who is worthy of forgiveness Mm. is a human being who has had pain and struggle and is worthy of compassion um i just think these choices feel better and in saying that it's not it's not with the demand people make the choices they make and it's, it's not with any sort of suggestion that it's easy. I think the talk I gave the other night, Let's Talk About Love, I was basically looking at love through the lens of all the great things that love inspires, which is kindness, compassion, forgiveness, self-love, and authenticity. These are all born of love, I believe. Kindness is easy. You know, a smile is easy just smile to <laughs> say hello to somebody. <laughs> That's one of the mandates of love. I feel like we can all do it. You know, it's, it's the easier one. Compassions is, is, is a bit harder to get to, um, you know, cause you really do, I believe have to sit in your own pain a little bit to be compassionate for others. And then there's forgiveness, which is like a whole other level of work. And it's, I don't want to suggest that, that just by being committed to forgiveness, forgiveness you're going to be able to forgive overnight but I do believe that if you're truly committed to forgiveness if you for me love love says that there's nothing that exists that is unforgivable that's what love tells me in my heart that that forgiveness is a part of love there's nothing that's un, there's no one who's unlovable there's no one who's unforgivable so if I commit myself to forgiveness I really trust and believe that I will find it And my experience in life is that that commitment alone has ultimately gotten me there. Because I can't explain necessarily how I came to forgive the man who killed my parents other than recognizing no one in their right mind, no one who feels of value, no one who is operating from from a place of self-love would kill another person in that way. So I can connect with that pain. You know I can reflect on that human being who's so lost that that's the choice they turn to, you know, and I can and I feel like my forgiveness was born from a place of compassion um I can't accurately describe how i've become i i'm a, I feel I'm a very loving person and I'm more loving than I've ever been and i I'm, I, I feel I'm continually becoming more loving than I've ever been, but it's, it's not, I don't know exactly how, except I'm committed to it. And I do the work. I don't, I, 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 when I'm being an asshole, I don't just, I don't just stop there. Or maybe I do in the moment, but I, 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 I look at it and I'm like, what went on for you there? You know, and I find that work is, is valuable. You know, what can you do next time differently? Mm. Also recognizing that we're humans. Yeah. And it's okay, you know, it's okay to be an asshole. I'm not even trying it's uh it's all human. This is the process, it's all practice. You know, this is what I've chosen for myself. Love is the path I've chosen. That's the path that works for me. So because that's the path I've chosen, I am invested in looking at the moments I'm not operating from that place. Um, If someone's chosen a different path, path, if someone's chosen the asshole path, then if if they're being, you know, nasty to people, that's going to be, you know, part of their path. You know, that's, it's too, it's too easy in this world of personal development, I think, to, uh, and maybe I'm being hypersensitive, trying to not want to do it, to tell people what they have to do to have certainty without flexibility yeah or just to yeah to pretend to know what's going to be right for that person mm. or that person even though i believe love is right is is a great choice for everybody mm. you know i think
0: you know so much of what we want or i'll reframe that so much of what i want in my life is you know, there's really close and intimate connections. And so much of what I see, particularly in the entertainment industry, and this is something that I do talk about quite a bit on my show, is sustaining intimate and romantic relationships. And there seem to be, you know, (laughs) there seem to be people who can do it, people who can't do it. But the underlying sort of thing that i've noticed with people who can do it and i think that show business is a is a heightened example of it because you do work insane hours for Mm. crazy amounts of time and there's a lot of spending time away from each other and you know there is a lot of uh i guess well there's there's a lot of infidelity in the entertainment industry particularly with actors when they're playing lovers with other people Mm. and it's you know, where the kind of lines start to become blurred between, you know, is there there something going on or is it purely just play? Uh, Sorry, or is it purely just work? What have you kind of discovered to be the really meaningful and significant qualities that two people can have to really uh, sustain a romantic and intimate connection?
1: I mean, the first thing that comes to mind would be communication is a huge one. I think that that's, I think lack of communication is a a root of a lot of problems in relationships, especially even in healthy relationships. I think being upfront and honest with your needs, being upfront and honest when they're not being met, you know, inviting those types of dialogues into your relationship, I think makes a profound difference I mean, I don't. As much as I love love, I don't think love is necessarily enough to keep people two people together. I've known many relationships between people who love each other, and it just didn't work out for any number of reasons. Um, I mean, honest. I, I think it's all debate. I'm honestly trust. I think is an important component. Um, I think for me in my relationship, I've been with my partner. It'll be nine years. Uh, this November, and also recognizing that your partner can't and doesn't need to be everything for you, doesn't need to fill all the holes, doesn't need to be all the, you know, all the voices, it doesn't need to be everything and can't be. And if you put that on your partner, um, you know, and if you, if that's your expectation, you're going to be disappointed. And I think that that's where um, connections outside of your intimate relationship are are critically important um but i know i i i'm so assuming and here's a big assumption to make but assuming there you know you're with somebody that you love and you you trust the person if you don't trust your partner i don't really know how there's any success mm. to that relationship you know if you're second guessing their intentions all the time if you're worried about them doing stuff behind your back, it's probably not the right person Mm. for you to be with. But if those basic tenets of a relationship are there, um, I, I just think put as much energy as you can into a really open communication in your partnership. And I think this is the case for all relationships, not just for romantic relationships. You know, how honest are you willing to be, um, you know, with your needs, with, uh, you know how honest are you willing to be in general
0: and I think for men, there's a certain again going back to being in a westernized kind of society uh, and that's just speaking from mine i guess your experience as well there is you know there's a certain stigma with being vulnerable and with being yeah. truly honest as a man mm-hmm. with your needs and with what you what you you know what what you truly want or what you're uh, what your truth is, I suppose how have you found a way to work through that and 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 work with that to actually find a space where you can be comfortable being in that vulnerable state?
1: I think you just keep practicing at it honestly because you 're absolutely right i mean it it there it that is the case, and I mean my partner's Eastern European and he 's uh And I've been like playing in the world of self-help and personal development for 20 years, you know, so I'm I I like to play in the world like let's be as open as possible, you know, as often (laughs) as possible and tell me everything you're thinking and feeling. And and that's not really his MO, Mm. even though he does meet me there when I need it. And he, you know, he's very sensitive and communicative, but he's he's also like, you know, a dude from Eastern Europe and didn't grow up in any sort of way around men expressing themselves emotionally. So that's still built into him. And I think men all over the world, that that's, that's a deep conditioning, even within the ones of us who are, you know, professing ourselves to be more vulnerable and more spiritual. It's still constant practice, mm. you know? And I think it's... But I think it's incredibly important practice. Um, You know, that I... It's it's no surprise to me when I look at the demographics of the people following my Facebook page. It's almost eighty percent women. Mm. It's like seventy six, seventy seven percent women. You know, I think women are much more naturally open, much more naturally emotional, um, more evolved. More, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. You know, they, there's a different set of conditioning for women. But man, I'm I'm so inspired when I meet men who are willing to share their emotions and share their feelings. And I think that all we can do um, is continue to do that, you know, continue to do it in our social media circles, continue to do it in our personal relationships, continue to be examples um, of men who, who can be vulnerable Mm. and to see that it's not killing us. It's actually inviting (laughs) um, some beautiful things into our lives, beautiful connections. Mm. I think that's also when we come to, uh learn more about ourselves you know accept ourselves in a different way I, I mean vulnerability there's no putting words to how important and powerful that is for self transformation you know and uh and the more willing you are to be vulnerable authentic loving compassionate the more naturally you're going to magnetize other people who are also willing to show up in that way for you. That's been my experience. And my experience is also that not everybody is, uh, not everybody's going to show up in that way. You know, the more we work on our growth and our healing, um, we're likely to provoke others. You know, we are going to be, as we become courageous in exploring our pain, we're going to highlight for some others, the lack of courage, you know, or that's how it might be interpreted subconsciously or consciously, and they're not going to want us to change. They want us to stay the the same person, you know, the Alistair you've always been. Why are you changing? I don't know how to respond to this person. You know, it brings up stuff for people mm. um, and is absolutely no reason to stop your own growth and healing because you will one, you will invite others into your life who can meet you there. And you'll also inspire others who are already in your life, who who maybe are freaked out, but they're also supporting you. They're also like, hey, I get this. I see what's happening for you. I love you. This is great. Keep doing it. And maybe they're not joining you there. You know, my partner's not into the personal development world at all, at all, at all. You know, he's he would never follow my page (laughs) (laughs) naturally. You know what I mean? It's just not who it's not who he is. But he's all he's a very loving sensitive person. It's just not where he where he goes.
0: Mm. How did you guys meet?
1: We met online. Yeah. Yeah. And we met um he was living in Michigan at the time, which is my home state, and I was living in the Bay Area at the time, where he has some family. And uh I was visiting family, and he's a pilot and um yeah, we met, we talked on the phone for a bit, and then met up in Ann Arbor, which is where he was living, which is where I went to school, hmm. and had a, a wonderful connection. And, um, he, and then two days later, I was flying out, and he was at the airport working, so he's like, he took me into the cockpit, literally, and, <laughs> you know, I saw the plane, and it was amazing and fun, and he's like, I want to come out, you know, can I fly out and take you to dinner? I'm like, of course, you know, so that's the very innocent version of the oh, yeah. the story of course <laughs> but no then and he, and he could fly for free at the time so we from that day on no more than 2 weeks went by where we didn't see each other and uh yeah amazing it is yeah it's been a it's been a great relationship and in a lot of ways and not without its struggles obviously and all those mm. other things but um it has it has really shown me uh how, just how important it is or because he and I are so different in so many ways and we're similar in a lot of ways too but I'm I used to I used to believe because my spirituality is so important to me because this journey of love is so important to me I didn't think I could really be with anybody um who didn't put the same import on their spiritual journey and um I'm realizing that that's not the case at all. You know, that that there aren't... There there don't have to be rules in that way around who we can and cannot be with. You know, there's no accounting for chemistry and there's no accounting for just mutual respect of each other's choices. Mm. That said, if he were just like some crazy asshole, I wouldn't be with him, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, he's a very loving, amazing person. So, um, yeah.
0: I think... uh again, to your point about chemistry and, and you know, that sort of thing. This is something that I've been arriving at in the last probably six months is, uh, you know, love is really a choice. And it's what we've sort of been talking about throughout this, about taking responsibility uh, and really kind of owning that, you know, that chemical reaction that we feel that we kind of label as being love is really just that chemistry that exists between two people what you then choose to do with that is something else i was having an argument with my housemate where she was talking about marriage and and not really believing in uh, in in the idea of marriage and i was you know she's saying, "How do I know where I'm going to be in ten years' time? I might be walking down the street and I might see someone and there just might be this overwhelming uh you know connection, and how do I know and i and I'm like, well, that's a choice that you know I mean there might be that chemistry there, but then to follow on that and and um to engage with that is a choice, and I think that love uh is you know it's something that you do, it's something that you give it's uh in in response to a way that you feel, um, when it's I'm talking about when it's in a in a relationship right. or in a connection with with another person. And 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 yeah, and I think that when you're in that kind of intimate space with someone, it, it's you know, and you can kind of unburden yourself of judgment. It really becomes this beautiful interaction of magnifying the other person and what they want to be and how they want
1: to show up in the world. Absolutely. I think it's a constant choice too in a relationship, you know, each day you wake up and you're with this person and you, is this the person I want to be with? Okay, let's move forward. I think that's, uh, that's just the nature of relationships and nobody knows what the future holds. Mm. You know, I think that, I don't think that if someone's not compelled to marry, that's fine. I don't think Mm. you have to get married just to get married. I think if you're preventing yourself from engaging in deep long-term relationships because of, you never know what you might find on the street, then you're just operating from space of fear, Yeah, you know, instead of being present in the energy of the moment. And I think you're probably doing a disservice to yourself there, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah. I think that was, uh, what I was, I suppose, trying to highlight for her. It's not necessarily about the pluses and minuses of, you know, getting married to your partner, if that's something that you would like to do, but if you're operating from a space of you never know what's around the corner or you never know, the grass is always greener, I suppose it yeah. is, you're operating from a space of fear and it's not a space of sort of presence and um, and being with what what is existing in, in reality. Um, and I suppose you probably see a lot of that sort of... Uh, that sort of mindset in these workshops that you're doing at the moment. Um, people who are operating from that space of fear.
1: Well, and from courage, Mm. that's, what's so amazing. Just to even show up in a workshop where it's, uh, you know, fear not is all about looking at your fear, honestly, which is a very courageous thing to do, you know, and, um, so yeah, I mean, you're yes, you're coming together to highlight your fear. So you, the fear is very present in the room, um, but more than anything, it's like I'm I'm just wowed by people who are who are doing their best to look at their lives honestly, looking at their choices honestly, with the intention of um, creating something more meaningful, creating some a life that's more fulfilling, a life that's more aligned with their heart, you know, and with their with their joy. I think that's a very powerful choice. And I wish I I wish more of us were making those choices. You know, when I see all the insanity in the world, it's just like, I think, I think so much anger exists, um, because people aren't finding people aren't being brave enough to look at themselves honestly and reflect on how they want to be living their lives, and then make a, a, make choices in accordance with that reflection. You know they're being they're being told how they have to be, and there's such internal resistance to that, whether it's subconscious or conscious. You know you're you want to be one way, the whole world is is telling you to be one way, and you're buying into it, so you're putting yourself into this box. You know, it's not the world doing it. Ultimately, you're the one making that choice, and it creates so much turmoil inside. I think so much. There's so much warring that goes on inside, and what what goes on inside doesn't stay inside. You know, we bring that out into the world at large. When we're warring internally, we're warring externally. And that's what we where we what we see everywhere. You know, that's I mean, that's one perspective on that. So, I I love. That even with all, all the pain that's out there in the world and all the ugliness, I feel like there is greater consciousness happening and technology has allowed us to connect with others from all around the world and see, okay, you know, there are other people out there who are really reflecting on love and connection and community and the the reality that we we truly are all brothers and sisters whether we want to acknowledge that or not and that we can support each other and that we don't hurt ourselves by supporting each other and that there's enough room for us all to succeed there's more than enough room we don't have to cut each other down you know in order to be successful and what does that even mean success you know what I mean it's like there's room for all of us to find our joy to find our place in this world and, and that we're more likely to do so when we connect through love and support each other than, than the opposite, you know? Mm. Mm, indeed.
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful way to uh, kind of round out the conversation. Thank you so much, Scott, again, for inviting me into your, uh, into your hotel to, yeah. uh, to have this conversation. I end, uh, I end every conversation with the same question. And that question is, what makes you silly?
1: What makes me silly? I think just my willingness to be silly when I feel silly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 yeah, I think that we're all silly in our own ways. So I'm sure my partner could give you a, a list of ways I'm silly. But I think it's just like, you know, going with the goofiness when it comes up as best you can. I mean, I dance around my apartment all the time alone. I don't think that's silly. Some people might see that as silly, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know.
0: When you remove the, uh, the, remove the judgment from the equation, you can compel yourself to be pretty silly.
1: Yeah. But the truth is it's funny. I'll, and then I'll, after this we can end whenever, you know, but, um, What I found recently, I was dancing around in my apartment and I was in total judgment alone, totally alone. Nobody's watching. And I saw my mind criticizing me like quit snapping your fingers. That's not cool. Or quit truly like judging my my dancing to the point where. I was—I uh, couldn't even figure out like what. How do I dance anymore? Like, what is real for me? Like, what is you know the the ego became so present yeah. that I couldn't even figure out what was real for me. And I think that that was a—it was very telling for me how much this conditioning and nonsense gets piled on our silliness, our authenticity, our childlike natural nature that's still within us all, um, and that that it's—you gotta look at that. And then when you do look at it and you allow for it, you do start to uncover, you you peel away all the layers and you start to feel what's real. You know, your true silly starts to come through. So, <laughs> so embrace the true silly. And to embrace the true silly, yeah. You can have that meme. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Thank you so much for this. It's a, a pleasure. I'm so glad you reached out.